Welcome to the Sports Finder Podcast. Let's get ready to rumble! Sports Finder community, we're back with our regular segment where we speak to great people from the world of sport. And today, it is no different. I have Miss Kimberly Davis with me. Kimberly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, Kimberly, before we get into the nitty gritty of what you're currently working on, what you do day to day, take me back in time, Kim. Who was Kim as a young lady at school? Oh, <laughs> Well, uh, that was many years ago. Um, Kim was a, a very conscientious student, uh, uh, very academically strong, uh, but talked a lot. Uh, I, my mother used to say, if, uh, if, if you could only not do so much talking in class, uh, maybe you'll get better grades and conduct. So that was, uh, that was me. My, uh, my Friends in the neighborhood called me the walking encyclopedia because any question, probably something obscure that they would ask, I could always answer. So I was known as the walking encyclopedia in my neighborhood. Not a bad name to have. I guess not. I don't know if that still holds true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it does. Um, you've, uh, you've, you've had a very decorated career. Um, you worked at some, some, some of the largest companies in, in the world. Take me through the journey into college and from college, how you moved into, into this company, because there's a lot of people that don't really understand how that journey happens, that don't have the insight, the foresight into, yeah. into that journey. Well, I can't say that, uh, that much of my career was uh, was planned beyond knowing that I wanted to be in business uh, as far back as I can remember. Uh, my grandfather has a uh, an old movie cam of me running across the campus of the college that I actually went to, which is Spelman College, an all-women's college in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, I said on that on that film that I wanted to be in business, and I was five or six years old. And that was interesting because nobody in my family was in business. They were educators or, uh, or primarily uh, blue collar workers, but that's what I wanted to do. I uh, majored in economics. Um, the reason I majored in economics was because I was interested in computer science, um, but the curriculum was very limited uh, back in 1977. And so there really wasn't um, an opportunity at Spelman or Morehouse, which was the male counterpart school um, for me to really get a full breadth of computer science at the time. So I majored in economics. And that turned out to be a smart decision, um, I think, because it gave me uh, the opportunity to shine in the area of my interest, which was math. Um, but also I had the opportunity to be exposed to the social sciences. And I think that was very rounding for me, particularly coming out of a liberal arts school. My first job was with uh, insurance company Aetna Life and Casualty in Hartford, Connecticut, uh, and I went through their finance management program uh, and left Aetna and went to a small bank that ultimately was acquired uh, by 
JP Morgan, it was then Chase, and ultimately after many mergers, I experienced nine mergers over my 20-year career with JP Morgan, wow. Chase. I ended up in, in financial services and investment banking, retired in 2012 and joined a CEO advisory firm. That's how I came in contact with the NHL. I met uh, Commissioner Bettman through an assignment that I had. And uh, two and a half years ago, I joined the NHL. Phenomenal. Um, you mentioned you went through nine mergers and basically acquisitions in your time at JP Morgan. You would have seen a hell of a lot of change happen through that time. Take me through how you adapted to, to that change. What was the environment like inside the workplace? Because nowadays with the way uh, organizations uh, basically molded is that changes become so common. Like if you don't adapt, you basically fall behind it and, and you die. What were some of the things that you saw along that journey that really stood out to you when change did occur? Yeah, it's really interesting, your point about how commonplace change is now. In 1991, almost 30 years ago, it was not so commonplace. And I think most people's careers may have derailed because they were uncomfortable with change and uncomfortable with ambiguity. And that's probably when I saw my skill set really shine. Um, the, the first, you know, when you're going through mergers and acquisitions, the question is, are, is your organization the acquirer or the acquiree. Uh, and it makes a difference in terms of the networks that you have and the relationships that have been important to your personal career. And then how do you position yourself in the organization so that uh, you're known and you're able to be seen and your capabilities uh, shine. Uh, the organization that I came from, City Trust, was 2,500 employees. And I was one of only five that, um, that got through that merger. Um, I often say that not only did I survive, but I thrived um, through that experience. And it was really, it taught me how to deal with um, ambiguity and, and how to deal with, uh, with change and to be comfortable with it and actually to embrace it. Um, and so I, I would say that I have become a culture change expert over the past 30 years because of the experience of those many mergers and acquisitions. Wow, absolutely. Um, so, Kim, how does somebody say to themselves, I want to work at these large corporate entities and then actually fulfill that goal? I mean, I'm sure early on, early, early days, you would have had some sort of um, goal, goals and objectives that you, you wanted to achieve in your career. Um, how, how did you go about setting them and sort of achieving them? Yeah. I think often we, we, we think in such lofty terms about our careers and we don't understand that there are many steps often that take you to whatever the ultimate goal is. Um, for me, the goal was, was, was pretty simple initially and I, I still use the terminology today that I used then and that was really perfecting the, the three Ps, my preparation, my passion and my purpose. Um, you know, starting with the first P preparation, it was ensuring that I was able to build the competencies and the skill sets um, to be able to be a multifaceted person uh, and to be able to thrive in a lot of different environments. So number one, I think for, for young people coming out of college is make sure that you're clear about um, 
building your skills and your competencies. That's, that's number one. Number two for me was, was the, the passion. Um, not every job that you have is going to bring you passion. But ultimately, as you think about your own personal brand, you should be thinking about how do I blend my preparation with the things that I'm passionate about? Because when we're passionate, we bring our best selves. And I think we thrive uh, and we do very, very well. So the preparation alongside the, the passion. And then purpose. You know, what is your, pur your purpose? Uh, for me, my purpose was blending my, my financial acumen and my, um, and my experience with my desire to, to really empower communities and particularly women of color. Uh, and I knew that passion early on. I went to an all-women's college, and that was a very empowering experience. My grandmother was the first African-American woman to graduate from PhD program at Harvard. So that, you know, I, I came from a, from a background of fearless women. And so I wanted to make sure that as I moved through my career, I also maintain that purpose. So those three Ps, preparation, passion, and purpose, have always been sort of my, my guiding principles. Amazing. Um, a woman of color in the financial services industry, which from uh, different stereotypes is dominated by men, and they're moving into the sport industry, which is also, <laughs> there's more male domination. Um, <laughs> so you've got a lot of experience that many females in general uh, need to hear and learn from. Uh, what's what's the key what's the secret you've been you've been really su successful at both what can can you say to, to these young ladies to give them hope to inspire them to really you know take on a challenge go out there back themselves and really make it happen yeah i think the key to any of of, of this success that we talk about is that that internal confidence um my grandmother used to tell me that um we have to get comfortable with fear that, you know, you embrace fear, you recognize that it exists. You don't pretend that it doesn't, but despite that fear, you have to hurdle it and you have to move beyond it. And I always think about that um, as I go into new environments. Um, I think about the experience that she must've had in 1929 as only one of two women and the only woman of color in that PhD program at Harvard. And wow. yet she graduated second in her, in her class. So anytime I get fearful about an experience, I stop and think about what it must have been like for Rose Butler Brown. And, um, and that, that's very helpful. Um, I think it's really, it's really important um, as, a, as a female to, to not um, succumb to two things that I think women succumb to. One is the perfectionist monster, I call it. And that is feeling like we have to be perfect 100% of the time. Uh, and we tend versus men to showcase our weaknesses as opposed to minimize them. Uh, one of my early sponsors said to me that when men would come into his office, he was an executive at JP Morgan, they would always talk about the 10% that they knew and really just rally around that 10%. And, you know, women would come in and they, would know 90%, but they would focus on the 10% that they didn't know. And I, you know, I think about that all the time when I'm counseling and coaching women. You know, focus on your strengths and minimize your weaknesses. 
you, and I think men do that well, and that's something that we as women have to constantly remind ourselves to do. Wow, amazing. Um, NHL, uh, we've seen a few changes in, in the last few years with how sport is watched, participated in, and, uh, and basically embraced, really. Uh, in a very dominant market, we have, you have multiple sports that are huge from football to baseball to, you know, all the rest, even soccer is flying at, at the moment, really growing. How do you guys stand out and bring these young ones to play NHL, sorry, to, to play ice hockey and become NHL athletes instead of playing football or so on, yeah. so on, so on? Because it's, it's a real challenge. It's tough. It's a challenge, but it, it's a lot like I just described about focusing on your strengths and not your weaknesses. Often when people talk about the sport of hockey, the first thing they talk about are barriers to entry, cost and infrastructure, um, lack of access to equipment, lack of access to ice and, and, the, and, and the expense of it. When I talk about hockey, I talk about the opportunities. I talk about the fact that if you look at most of the pro hockey players, they started playing hockey through street and ball hockey. I mean, literally eight out of 10 professional players started deck hockey, street and ball hockey. So we have an opportunity with this generation of young people to introduce ball and street hockey almost as an as a on-ramp onto itself to make it cool and to make it culturally available and to make it culturally relevant, blending fashion and food and music and all of those things. And in hockey, we have an opportunity to do that because we're not undoing something. Like we're starting from, you know, ground zero. And so we can build it and we can learn from maybe what other sports um, haven't done so well. So I see nothing but opportunity in front of us. And, you know, for us to get our share of, the, of this youth marketplace that is a growing um, marketplace, uh, hockey is one of the most exciting sports, you know, when you look at the speed of it and, and, and the precision that's required and being able to both skate and stick handle at the same time. It's what young people like. It's what this generation likes. And so I see opportunity, not obstacles. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I think you're right on point there. And I can see some really, really exciting times moving forward. The way you just put it, it's almost like a brand, a, uh, similar to like a Nike approach with how they've they made it so fun, pop, and they brought all these worlds together. And yeah, it's phenomenal. Uh, yeah. Exciting times. Um, let's go through the, how you, you basically answered my question. I was, the next question was, was going to be, how do you see the future evolving for the sport of ice hockey and NHL? And you just basically described that. Um, so moving on to, to, to my next question, from all these years in the world of corporate finance and corporate sport now, if you were to give a young person advice uh, looking to build a career, especially in sport, since we're, that's, that's, that's really our focus, what, would you, what are three tips you, you would give them that you know, they can really hold on to and they can carry them through the hard times and the good times? Yeah, I think the first tip is to, um, to not 
not box yourself into what you think is the job that you um, aspire to. Now, when I look back over my career, um, you know, nine mergers, literally 15 different job opportunities um, within a 20 year span at JP Morgan, most of those jobs that I had, I would never, I could never have imagined, you know, at age 10 that I would have done any of those jobs. Um, and I think the reason that I was able to navigate my career the way I did was because I never limited myself to thinking about the kind of job that should be the next job. I thought about the skills and competencies that I brought and, and what that particular department needed and put myself into that situation to showcase what I could bring, the value that I could bring. So it's really all about value. It's all about value creation and the value that you bring. And so be willing to dig deep and to work harder than the next person and not limit yourself by the scope of what you think the job is. Because you may have 15 jobs before, uh, and it all adds up to making you this well-rounded, um, highly, I think, competitive in the marketplace individual. Number two is be fearless. Um, don't, don't be afraid to, to try something new. Don't be afraid to change industries. Don't think because you've been in one industry that that is going to be your career trajectory for the next X number of years. And I think the, the younger generation sees that and believes that much differently than, than my generation um, may have. The third, and I would say it's actually number one for me, is be humble. Um, uh, be, be, be very, very kind to people. Remember that the people that, uh, that you encounter today may be your bosses of the future or they may be your teammates of the future. Um, be humble. Don't, don't, don't think that you are better than anyone else. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Uh, and when you do that, you build a network and alliance uh, throughout your career that you can call upon at any point. There are people that I worked with 25 years ago that are still great colleagues and I can pick up the phone and really they will do anything because of the relationships that I built with them 25 years ago. And that comes through uh, from humility, in my opinion. So those are the three pieces of advice that I would give. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Some very wise words to absorb and take in and also apply, most importantly. Um, Kim, you've, you've been amazing. You've shared a ton of insight, a ton of wisdom with us. Um, I want to thank you very much for joining me on the show. Before we wrap things up, where can we find you online? The best place to find me is on LinkedIn, um, Kimberly Davis uh, and... That's, I have a big network on LinkedIn. I uh, love to connect with people, particularly young people. Um, I take the time to respond to people's inquiries. So that's the best place to find me is on LinkedIn. Absolutely. You definitely responded to mine. And I want to give you this, this opportunity. Do you, do you have any parting words for us or any words of advice you, you'd like to share with our audience? I would just say to the young people out there that, you know, you are the future. I think what we're seeing across the globe in terms of social justice, um, I, I'm, I'm counting on you to make this world better uh, in the future than it is today. Uh, and so, you know, please be fearless, be humble, 
uh, be courageous, be bold, uh, and help us make this world a better place. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Kimberly Davis, Senior Vice President of the NHL. Thank you very much for joining me on the Sports Finder podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sports Finder podcast. We'll catch you on our next episode. Y'all ready for this?